0: You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. All right, well, let's pray, and we'll get into the Word tonight. I'm ready for the word. How about y'all? Yes. All right. Let's pray. Father, thank you once again for another opportunity to spend time with my brothers and sisters in Christ around your word. Father, I thank you, Lord, that we gather together expecting to receive tonight from you. We expect to be fed and taught by the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that you have made him available to us to bring revelation and insight And Father, we just thank you tonight. We purpose in our hearts to receive everything that you have for us. We thank you for all the good things that you have in store for us. You said in James that every good and perfect gift comes from above. And so, Father, we receive those things today. We receive it into our lives and into our hearts. And Father, we'll be mindful to not just be hearers only, but we will be doers of what you tell us as well. We thank you that our lives will be changed and better because of it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, if you want to uh, turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and I'll meet you there in just a moment. Uh, We're going to start something new this week and uh, go a couple of weeks with it, but I want to talk to you a little bit. Uh, about overcoming the storms of life, Barbara. You got a question? Ruby said she can't find the link. Oh, it's not on the homepage. Must not be. Let's see. That's where I came in at. Is on the homepage. Yeah, it's there. Stop now. No, I'm gonna. Um, she might have to wait it's on one of those little slides and she might have to wait for it to come around, but it's there. Okay. I'll let her know. Yeah. Just to let her know. So anyway, we're going to be talking about overcoming the storms of life. You know, I've, um, I, 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 there's a couple of guys that I watch on YouTube that are, uh, weathermen and and they do a lot of storm tracking storm chasing and that type of thing and so uh, and of course with th- what we were discussing earlier about some of the, the ice and storms that they've been experiencing out in Texas I've been kind of keeping up with those guys and and uh, these are the kind of guys that when uh, there are tornado warnings and watches uh, somewhere in the country they'll Uh, dispatch storm chasers and those guys will go out they're crazy if you ask me but they do it and so they give live reports you know wherever all of this is happening and so you know this is i don't know if you've ever noticed this or not but when uh oftentimes after a tornado goes through and causes a lot of destruction you'll see something interesting that happens you'll see where there will be a couple of homes that will be just basically destroyed, the roofs torn off and that type of thing. And then right next to it will be a house that looks like it's basically untouched. And then a couple of houses down, you see where uh, destruction hit again. And so, you know, one one what we have a tendency to do is we look at those types of things and we begin to think that life works that way in the sense of, um, you know, that one household was was unlucky another household was lucky and uh you know and and of course i don't uh, i I feel bad for people that experience those types of things but you know just in in my experience and being a pastor you know i've seen and I, i get the opportunity to observe a lot of families in the church and i'll see where uh you know families that uh both are you know similar situations where both of them were faithful in church they You know, they participate in the service, and uh, they support the church financially. They volunteer, and they work at the church, and then, you know, something will happen at different points in those families' lives, and they'll experience some type of major storm. And uh, when the storm would hit their lives, it became noticeably clear that these families, as much as they were alike, were very much different. Uh, One family Got all perplexed and disturbed and and just completely thrown off by the storm, while the other, uh, you know, was was fine and just made it through and overcame this. So, you know, how can this be? How can this function? Is it, you know, a lot of people would step back from that and say, well, you know, uh, God is testing those people, or or God permitted that storm in their life, or you know, then somebody might say, or it might look as though God favors one family over another family. And and that just simply is not true. And so, you know, the thing that we have to step back and we have to look at is, is there something that is noticeable that we could take note of and look at and see the difference between those two households and, and maybe learn something from it And so that's what we're going to look at tonight. So I'm going to give you some things tonight. So let's, let's talk about this first point. And and that is this, we'll look at some scripture to back this up, but I'm going to make this statement. Jesus taught us that the storms of life come to everybody. Nobody is exempt from the storms of life. Okay. So you know, as long as we are living in this broken world, this curse-filled world, as long as we are living in these flesh bodies and so forth and so on, life is is going to happen. Now, the difference is, and what we have a um, what we have an option to do is how we handle ourselves in that storm, and so that's what we're going to be talking about: is how to overcome the storms of life when they come. You know, I wish I could tell you that when you gave your heart to Jesus and then you start, you know, digging in the word and believing the word of God, that uh, life's problems go away. But how many of you know that that they don't? They, they uh, you know, they're there, they're available. And as I said, they happen to everybody. And so The the first thing that I want us to note is this that again, Jesus taught us that the storms of life come to everybody. Now, here's what the devil will want you to believe: is that you are unique, you are strange, and this doesn't happen to anybody else. Okay, so let's look at first Corinthians chapter 10, and we're gonna look at verse 13. First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. It says, I'm gonna read it from the New King James, and then I'm gonna read it to you from the Good News Bible. In the New King James, it says this, no temptation, and that word temptation there would be test, trial, adversity. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now, this is a scripture that's very often misinterpreted. Uh, there's a lot of people that, you know, You maybe you've heard the saying, well, God will never put on you more than you can handle. Well, first of all, that's an unscriptural statement, and that's not what this verse is saying at all. The first thing I want us to see is the first part of that verse where he says, no temptation or no adversity that has overtaken you, such as is common to man. So you will not encounter something in life uh, that is not uncommon. In other words, someone else has experienced very similar to what you're going through. And then he goes on to say, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted, tested or tried beyond what you are able. So the the question there is able to what? Able to. To overcome, able to make it through, able to get to the other side of that storm, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Let me read it to you out of the Good News Bible. It says this, every test that you have experienced is the kind that normally comes to people, but God keeps his promise and he will not allow you to be tempted or tested beyond your power To remain firm. At the time you are put to the test, he will give you the strength to endure it and so provide you with the way out. I like that translation because, first of all, it tells us that that God will uh, not permit the devil to bring anything into our lives that we are not able to remain consistent in it and then when it happens, God is faithful and will always provide a way out. And so that brings us comfort. That brings us encouragement in the middle of that storm. So that being said, again, what the devil is going to try and convince you is that you are unique, you are not normal, and that what you are experiencing is something that nobody else has experienced. And so The reason that he's trying to get you to believe that is because if you believe that your experience is different from somebody else, you're setting yourself up for failure. Okay. Now, here's why because you won't believe that God has a way of escape for you, a way out of that adversity. Okay. So, one thing that we need to establish right here at the beginning is this, who sends the storms? Somebody tell me. The devil. Absolutely. Okay. God is not responsible for the storms that happen in our lives. Now, a lot of times, and I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to qualify it. A lot of times he will allow those things to happen, but the only reason that he allows it is because we allow it to happen. Okay. And, um, you know, again, we, we determine the outcome in that. All right. So uh, the enemy of our faith, the devil sends storms and negative things and thought processes that will always accompany those storms. Turn over with me to first Peter chapter five, please. First Peter chapter five, and let's look at verses eight and nine. Now this scripture right here goes hand in hand with what Jesus told us in John 10, 10, when he said, the thief comes not before to steal, kill, and destroy. I am come, or I have come that you might have life and that you have it more abundantly. I wish believers could get it settled in their hearts and in their minds that it is the devil that seeks to bring destruction in our lives. It's the devil that seeks to steal and kill and destroy, not God. Jesus came to bring us life and life more abundantly. So Peter, when he said this in first Peter chapter five, verses eight and nine, I'm going to read it out of the New King James, and then I'm going to read it out of the uh, Passion Translation. The New King James says this, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now, anybody, when you were young, you used to play Mother May I? Yes. All right. So if you'll remember that little game is, you know, everybody lines up and, And whoever is playing the mother will give you instructions. And, um, you're supposed to always ask before you do the instruction, mother, may I? And, uh, but if you get caught doing the, the instruction without asking that, uh, you're out or you get, you get made it. Okay. So what I want us to see is, is notice that this scripture says that the devil is seeking whom he may devour. And what the implication is on that is that the devil is looking for permission to bring destruction to devour and cause hurt and harm in our lives now who would he be looking for uh, permission from well he's looking for permission from us to see if we will allow it now the verse goes on to say let me read verse 8 again be sober be vigilant because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, resist him steadfast in the faith. So that first phrase there, resist him, implies do not give him permission. Do not allow him to to have that kind of access into your life. So he, he says, resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Let me read it, read this to you out of the passion. Be well balanced and always alert because your enemy, the devil roams around incessantly like a roaring lion, looking for its prey to devour, take a decisive stand against him and resist his every attack with strong, vigorous faith for you know that your believing brothers and sisters around the world are are experiencing the same kinds of troubles you endure. All right. So the most important and first thing that I want us to see right off the bat is that everybody experiences storms in life. They happen to all of us and that we have a determining factor. In other words, you and I can determine what happens during that storm. Okay, now let me let me say this to you: storms come to good people. Okay, you know uh, we have this misbelief that says, well, you know that person is a bad person, so bad stuff is going to happen to them. And then we can't understand why seemingly bad things happen to good people. You know that's a good that's a big question that people raise all the time. You know why do bad things happen to good people? Well, the fact of the matter is because we live again in a broken world, and there is a devil who is bent on our destruction, roaming the earth, seeking whom he may devour. So, you know, and just because you're good does not exempt you from the storms of life, okay? Now, let me say this to you. It is not a mark of failure if you have a storm. In other words, I hear people say sometimes when the storm arises, well, I wonder what I did wrong. What did I do, you know, to deserve this? How, how come this is happening to me? I must have messed up somewhere. All right. Well, you know, yes, we can open the door to those types of things, but I will say this to you. Storms come when you're doing everything right, as well as, you know, when you know you're not doing right. Okay. So again, uh, the, the storms come to everybody. So You know, don't spend any effort or any time in your life trying to figure out why is this happening to me? Again, that's another thing that the enemy will try and get you to do is to get you to start feeling sorry for yourself and wondering, you know, why is this happening to me? You you know, poor, poor old me. And uh, you know, then we, we start wanting to sing that song. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen and so forth and so on. And so we begin to feel sorry for ourselves. We get caught up in self-pity. And I promise you, uh, it is going to be tough for you to experience deliverance while you're in the middle of self-pity to, to come out of your storm. Okay? So if you want to ask yourself a question, don't ask it when you're in the middle of the storm. The time to ask the question is before the storm, All right. And here's what you really need to ask is this, and this is where we're going to with this particular series. Am I prepared for the storms of life? Am I prepared? And you know, this is something that I really uh, endeavor to drill into the hearts of believers And that is this, you can be prepared for life's occurrences, the storms of life, when they happen. They do not have to catch you off guard. They do not have to catch you unawares. Matter of fact, you know, not only can you be prepared spiritually where you have done some things to prepare your life for the storm, but we have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. And Jesus said... He will show you things to come. I believe that if we would tune ourselves up and become aware and become more aware of his leading and guidance in our lives, he would show us when things are coming or when things could possibly happen. And uh, so we could avoid them or, or at least we could be prepared for them. Okay. So the good news in this is that you can be prepared for The storms turn back with me to the book of Psalms, please. Psalm 34, Psalm 34, verse 19. Let's just establish this right out of the gate. Psalm 34, verse 19. I'm going to read it to you out of three translations. First of all, the New King James, Psalm 34 verse 19 you probably could quote it you'll say you'll you'll recognize it when you see it but the new king james says this many are the afflictions of the righteous but the lord delivers him out of them how many wow. oh, all of them every single one of them many are the afflictions of the righteous but the lord delivers him out of them all The Bible in basic English says this, great are the troubles of the upright, but the Lord takes him safely out of them all. The Passion Translation says this, even when bad things happen to the good and godly ones, the Lord will save them and not let them be defeated by what they face. I like that. Let me read that again. Even when bad things happen to the good and godly ones, the Lord will save them and not let them be defeated by what they face. So Did you turn- say that was the uh, passion? Yes, that's the uh, passion translation. Thank you. Sure. Um, so let's go over to Matthew chapter 7, please. And let's look and see what Jesus taught. Matthew chapter 7. And let's look at verse 24. And this is where Jesus began to teach his disciples how they can prepare for the storm. Okay. Matthew chapter seven. uh, Again, I'm going to read it out of the New King James, these these five verses, and then I'm going to, or four verses, and then I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation. So the New King James Bible says this, "'Therefore,' this is Jesus speaking, "'whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, "'I will liken him to a wise man "'who built his house on the rock. "'And the rain descended, the floods came, "'and the winds blew and beat on that house, "'and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. "'But everyone who hears these sayings of mine "'and does not do them,' will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. Okay. Now I want, before I read the passion translation, I want to ask a question and, and just a helpful hint. This is a trick question. Okay. So Jesus said in verse 24, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. What is the rock that Jesus is talking about there? The word of God? Partially. The proclamation that Jesus is Lord? Well, not exactly. I mean, that is a rock, and and the Bible does talk about that being the cornerstone of our lives, but that is not specifically what Jesus is talking about here. And this is where, you know, a lot of times we've missed it because we've thought, well, if I just build my house on the rock of Jesus Christ, you know, meaning my life, then my life will uh, be safe. Well, that's not what Jesus, that is true to a certain extent uh, as far as eternity is concerned, but that's not what Jesus is saying here. Anybody else want to take a stab at it? All right, let's break it down. Let's pay attention and look. Remember, I what do I always say? Pay attention to the? Details. Details, right. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, all right, that's the rock right there, hearing the word of God and doing the word of God, okay? Whoever, Lord, an of obedience to the word of God. Yeah, obeying it and doing what it says. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And then, of course, the storm came. Look at verse 26. He said, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them is like a man who built his house on the sand. Okay, so notice the difference. One man built his house on hearing the word of God and doing it. Then another man built his house on hearing the word of God and not doing it. Now, one important thing to notice is both of these people heard the word. Both of them heard. And let's just say for the sake of our lesson, they both heard the same word. Okay. So the difference in this is not necessarily a relationship with Jesus, although that's important but the difference is the person who heard the word and did it versus the, uh, the person who heard the word and did not do it. Let's look at the passion translation. Everyone who hears my teaching and applies it to his life can be compared to a wise man who built his house on an unshakable foundation. When the rains fell, the flood came with fierce winds beating upon his house it stirred, stood firm because of its strong foundation but everyone who hears my teaching and does not apply it to its life to his life can be compared to a foolish man who built his house on sand when it rained and rained and the flood came with wind and waves beating upon his house it collapsed and was swept away. Notice in the the New King James, it said, and great was its fall, okay? Now, in verse 25, in in the Passion Translation, the first word is when, okay? So notice the when the storm came, not if the storm came, when the storm came. So the storm happened to both people both of them heard the word, one of them did it, and the other one didn't do it, okay? So, yeah, you know, and, and if you'll look on our website later on, I did a little chart there so you could see the difference between these two guys. So on one side, if you want to write this down, I'll, I'll walk you through it. Make, make two columns, all right? Uh, one, the top of it, say, wise man. On the other column, put foolish man, okay? Okay. And then Jesus gave us four things that happened and occurred that to both of them, okay? Number one, they both heard the word. So you can check that for both, both men, both people. The second thing is they built a house. So both of them heard the word. Both of them built a house. The third thing is both of them experienced a storm. But here's the difference. Only the wise man, check him, did the sayings of Jesus, the foolish man did not. Now, what do Sir, you I think? Have a question. Hello? I have a quick question. Um, yes, ma'am. Says the here's the sayings. Is it talking about um, within the context of this chapter or all of what God says? All of what God says. Okay. Yeah. It it, it sounds like it's specific, but, but Jesus was using a very wide brushstroke there. Okay. Okay. So, um, again, the foolish man heard the same word that the wise man heard, but he just did not do it. Now, I want to ask you a question. When Jesus talks about, uh, in verse 24, when he says, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. What do you think Jesus was referring to when he used the phrase, built his house? His life? Yeah, absolutely. Built his life. So, what, what Jesus is telling us is, that if we are building our lives on the word of God, but not doing the word, we're foolish. If we're building our life on hearing the word and doing the word, we're wise. He calls us wise in doing that. Okay. So James teaches us the same truth. Let's go over to James chapter one. By the way, James is the half brother of Jesus. So I'm quite sure he probably heard Jesus talking about this. James chapter one, verses 22 through 25. Again, very familiar portion of scripture. And, uh, you know, James uses a, a, going back to Yvonne's question, uh, James uses a broad stroke here, um, a little broader than what even Jesus used. But in verse 22 uh, of James chapter one, James said this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror for he observes himself, goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So James goes a step further. And of course, James James was writing this by the Holy Spirit. He says this, if we will not only be hearers of the word, but doers of it as well, not only will our lives be founded on a sure foundation. But what we do will be blessed as well. That's what he said. And I'm, you know, he wasn't specific. So what that implies is that everything we do will be blessed. Okay. If we are hearers of the word and and doers of it as well. Okay. So what does it mean to be a doer of the word? Somebody, somebody tell me. Applying what you hear to your life, yeah, absolutely. So, so how does that play out, Yvonne? What be a little more specific with that? Um, if the scripture says that we ought not, um, or we ought to forgive our brother and sister, if we refuse to forgive, we're not applying it. But if we do forgive, we are applying the word. Right, right, exactly. And that, you know, and she just used that that uh, particular subject, talking about forgiveness as an example. But basically, if, if you look at it like this, doing the word of God is the process of making life-changing adjustments, yes. okay? I heard uh, Bishop Jakes, I think it was, said this, that life is a series of adjustment and repair, Okay. And so when we, when we go to the word and we see something in the word and, you know, to her example, using forgiveness or whatever it might be that we decide to adjust our lives to fit what the word says, instead of just hearing it and saying, well, that doesn't pertain to me or I'll get to that later or whatever, you know, really what we have to do is we've got to make a decision early on or as soon as you can in your walk with Jesus. And that is this, Lord, if I see it in your word and it is instruction to me, I am going to implement that and put it into my life immediately. I'm going to obey and do what the word says immediately. Okay, so again, doing the word, being a doer of the word is the process of making life-changing adjustments based on what the Bible says. Now, the good news is, aren't you glad that God doesn't, we don't get born again, and then he expects us to change and be perfect within 24 hours? Or, you know, that he doesn't just go to work in our lives and cause something, uh, cause every change that needs to happen overnight. You know, I'm so glad he doesn't work that way. Of course, that would be separate from our will, but the way he chooses to work is as we navigate through life and as we hear the word, he gives us opportunities to make those adjustments and to tweak here and there so that our lives stay in line with the word of God. Okay. Now, would you say, That a person who hears the word, but shows no difference in behavior is a doer of the word or not. Not. Yeah, that's pretty simple. Okay. So, you know, when we, when we hear what the word says, you know, going to Yvonne's example, talking about uh, forgiveness or, um, you know, just any area of our lives, then if you, if you see somebody that. And we're not judging because, again, we're looking at ourselves. But if you see somebody that is hearing the same word that you're hearing and their life is not changing as far as their behavior is concerned, it's because they're not a doer of the word. Now, again, we don't look down on people because of that. Uh, it, it ought to serve as a challenge for us <clears throat> Excuse me. to make sure that we're constantly obeying the word. Okay. Now, here's something that you need to understand about spiritual things, okay? Let me, let me make this statement. Let's say you have a person who builds his life, his career, and I'm talking about a born-again person who builds his life, his career, his marriage, et cetera, on sand-shifting philosophies, cultural norms, changing feelings, and for a season, it looks like everything is okay. And here's the danger in in living a lifestyle like that. The devil will convince you that you've gotten away with it. All right. And again, I'm not implying that God's going to punish you. But what you need to understand is, again, life happens to all of us. And when we choose not to obey the word of God, it might look like, hey, it's not that big a deal. It doesn't matter that I'm not really obeying what the Bible tells me, okay? But I promise you, sooner or later, life is going to happen, and the rubber is going to meet the road, and you're going to have an opportunity to uh, live out the, the results of that decision that you, that you are making, okay? So that's what somebody looks like that's not a doer of the word. Let's look at what somebody's life looks like. That is a doer of the word and see how we compare. All right. So here's how what someone looks like who is a doer of the word. A doer of the word allows the word of God, the teaching of the word to shape his thinking in every area of life. Um, what do I mean by that? Well, we have a tendency to compartmentalize our lives. Okay. In other words, um, you know, we have areas of our lives where we'll let God deal with us on, but then we have other areas of our lives that we don't want God to deal with us on. So we try and keep those separate, right? You know, as if God doesn't know what's going on over here, he only knows what you've released and shown him and exposed him to, but a doer of the word allows the word of God to shape your thinking in every area of your life. Okay. In other words, A doer of the word has an attitude like this. God, my life is open to you in every area. Whatever you see that needs to be changed, whatever, uh, you know, that I need to adapt, whatever I need to correct, whatever I need to deal with, Lord, I make my life an open book before you, and I give you permission to deal with me. On, on anything. Nothing is off the table. And that's the kind of attitude that we have to have with the Lord because, it, you know, you remember Jesus said it's the little foxes that spoil the vines. A lot of times it's the little things that we sweep under the rug that cause us the most harm. All right. Now, here's the second thing a doer of the word will do a doer of the word will not adjust his moral compass to the norms of popular culture. Let me say that again. A doer of the word does not adjust his moral compass to the norms of popular culture. Pastor can you repeat that just one more time, please? Uh-huh. A doer of the word does not adjust his moral compass to the norms of popular culture. Does anybody beside me notice culture changes? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I mean, we see it. Culture changes. I mean, let's face it, uh, in the world we we live, now evil has always been evil. Uh, You know, don't misunderstand me. But in the world of social media, in the world of, uh, you know, just the culture in which we're living is very different than it was 30 or 40 years ago. Um, You know, I can remember being in high school, you know, it was just a few years ago. And uh, uh, I heard that laugh, whoever that was, um, that, you know, the things that we dealt with in high school were were far different than what kids deal with today. Uh, uh, You know, as far as the uh, peer pressure, yes, there was peer pressure back then, but you didn't have... Um, social media driving, comparison, and all those types of things that kids uh, are experiencing today. We just did not have that uh, when I was growing up and when I was in high school. And so, you know, culture changes. Culture uh, changes with the whims of people and what people in their own minds think is right. And what we have to do is we have, we as believers have to make the standards of our moral compass based on the Word of God, not what we see going on in the world. That's why, you know, politically speaking and otherwise, you cannot uh, adjust your moral compass based on what you see happening in the world. You've got to base your moral compass on what you see in the Word of God. I mean, the thing that I love about the word is it is the same. God does not change his mind about anything. And if it was wrong in the Bible, it's still wrong. If it was right in the Bible, it's still right. No matter what culture says, no matter what the environment says, uh, you know, it's, it's either one way or another, there is no gray. Okay. You know, like for instance, you have the Bible's very clear. God created two genders, a male and a female. And yet today in our modern culture, I mean, there's, I don't, I've, I've lost count on how many genders there are, you know, and they say, well, you know, if you don't like the gender you are, well, you can change, you can become another gender. Okay. Well, as if I'm going to base my moral compass on the word of God, then, then in my thinking and in my life, that has to be wrong. Now, you know, I don't judge people. I don't, uh, you know, place a, a, uh, uh spiritual determination on them by what their decisions are in the sense of, um, you know, God loves everybody. God loves people that are confused about their genders all right? And it's not my place to beat people up because they're confused. It's my place to voice what is right and what is wrong and to tell people the truth. Now, if you don't want to hear it, that's on you, okay? But here's my here's my point. A doer of the word does not say, well, you know, maybe, maybe they are right. Maybe, you know, there are little boys who want to be girls and little girls who want to be boys and that type of thing. Nope. That is not what a doer of the word does. A doer of the word lets his moral compass be guided by what the Bible says and not the norms of culture. Am I, am I making sense to you? Okay. All right. So that's what a doer of the word does. In other words, you know, we love people, but we're unbending on what the Bible says. Okay. And here's the next one. A doer of the word learns not to live by his feelings and his emotions. A doer of the word learns not to live by his feelings and emotions. Now here's something you need to understand. Your feelings and your emotions are fickle. They change from moment to moment. And and if you and I are easily swayed by how we feel, at any given time or moment, and we're basing our belief and what we, uh, how we handle ourselves spiritually based on how we feel, then our lives are going to be messed up, and we're not going to be doers of the word. Because there are going to be times when you have to be a doer of the word, listen, when you don't feel like it. When your emotions are telling you something different, when your feelings are telling you something different, you know, to go to Yvonne's example that she used earlier, you know, somebody makes you mad, you're mad. You feel like you you are experiencing an emotion of anger. You have feelings of anger and those types of things. And you do not feel like forgiving that person, but you have to make up your mind am I going to be a doer of the word or not? And and the decision is mine at that moment. So if I'm going to be a doer of the word, then I'm going to have to forgive that person and release forgiveness to them in Jesus' name and be willing to let go of that offense, whether I feel like it or not. Okay. And the same thing is true for Every other thing that the Bible teaches us, you know? Okay. Now, here's the last thing. A doer of the word learns to know God by his word and promises, not by the circumstances of life. Let me say that again. A doer of the word learns to know God by his word and his promises not by the circumstances of life. I'll give it to you one more time. A doer of the word learns to know God by his word and promises, not by the circumstances of his life. What does that mean? There are too many believers who base their understanding and belief and uh, uh, their understanding of who God is and what his character is based on the circumstances of their lives, instead of what the word says. In other words, you know, you might encounter a situation to where, uh, you know, it looks like God is behind it. And so if if I feel like God is behind it, and I'm looking at it, and, you know, and it's not good, and, and so what I choose to do is look at my circumstances and base my understanding of God and his character on my circumstances instead of what the word says, then I'm not a doer of the word. Going back to what we said, I know this is very elementary, but you know, if there is sickness and disease in my life, God did not initiate that. Although my circumstances might look like he did. He did not. Again, John 10:10, 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. And I can promise you based on the authority of God's word using that particular subject that that anything Jesus paid for with his life, his blood, and his broken body to deliver you from, God is not introducing that into your life to teach you something to bring you closer to him or whatever kind of lame brain things we come up with. That is not the character of God. And so what people have done is they base their understanding of God on what they experience in the natural instead of going to the word of God and basing their understanding of God on what the word says. All right. Are you listening to me? Amen. Okay. All right. Now. Again, if we purpose to pursue the word, the word will give us power to make the necessary changes and adjustments that we need to make in our lives. You need to understand there is power in this word to cause it to come to pass. You know, I'm reminded of Philippians 2.13. Well, I've got it here on my notes. Let me just read it to you from the Amplified. It says, not in your own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectively at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure, his satisfaction and his delight. The the New King James says this, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So the power of God is at work in you to help you change, to help you be a doer of the word. In other words, thank God, God didn't just leave it up to us in our own strength and our own might and our own ability to be doers of the word. He said, I'll help you. I'll empower you to be doers of the word as well. So somebody says, well, you know, what does this all have to do with the storms of life? Well, I want to take you back again to Matthew seven, and the, what Jesus said about the rock that the, that your house needs to be built on is hearing the word and doing the word, hearing the word and doing the word. And Jesus' promise is this: that if you will hear the word and do the word, when the storm comes, it will not negatively impact your life. Did you get that? I'm so glad I didn't write that. Jesus said it. Okay. Matter of fact, I'll tell you what, go back over there. Matthew chapter seven. And let's just, I want to remind you again, what it says. It says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock, the rock of hearing and doing the word. Verse 25, and the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Okay, all of those things have an opportunity to cause your house to fall. But if you will hear the word and be a doer of it, uh, Jesus promised us that the house, that your life will not fall apart because of the storms that come. Okay. Now I want to just ask you some questions before we end tonight. Can you imagine a life being lived out free from fear of what everybody else dreads. I mean, think about that. What do people, what does everybody else dread in their life? People that don't know Jesus, what are they dreading in their lives? Did you know you and I can live free from the fear of those things? Can you imagine having the confidence to uh, face struggles that keep you awake at night? Okay, in other words, having the confidence in the word of God that you can lay your head on your pillow at night and know that God will protect you and keep you safe and will not allow the storm, no matter how that storm looks, uh, to come against your life and cause your life to be destroyed. Can you imagine victory over the things that have held you back in your past? things that would have caused great destruction in your life, can you imagine uh, having the victory over those things? The Bible says that God always causes us to triumph in every situation. Now, it may not be fun to go through it. It may not, you know, you may not look forward to it. But here's the thing. When the storm arises, I don't have to be moved. I don't have to fall apart. I don't have to you know, lose my mind because I know that God will cause me to come out victorious. Can you imagine your life being lived out without panic? You know, something happens, Uh, you know, circumstances arise in our lives. We don't have to panic. You know, I'm reminded when Jesus, and we'll talk more about this in this series, but did you notice, um, when Jesus and the disciples were in the boat, and this happened on more than one occasion, and a, and a storm arose while they were in the boat, did you know Jesus never panicked, never got upset? Matter of fact, there was one time that we have record of, he went to sleep while the storm was happening. And the storm, now, you know, just so, in case you were wondering, the storm was bad enough to where it caused men who were used to being on the water to be afraid that they were going to die. So the storm was bad, but Jesus was in the front of the boat, laying down on a pillow, sound asleep. How would you like to have that kind of confidence? Well, you can through what the word says. Can you imagine a life being lived out with the ability to laugh when bad news knocks at your door? okay you know the Bible says rejoice in the Lord always and again I say, rejoice. Now we don't get happy when negative circumstances come like we're like we're you know not right mentally uh, but you can laugh at the circumstances and laugh at the devil who wants to try and destroy your life, by those negative circumstances. No, you just say, no, in Jesus' name, we're gonna navigate our way through this. God is gonna give me wisdom and we're gonna come out on the other side of this thing, victorious and overcoming because God already has a way out, okay? You know, I was reading today and I'll wind down with this. And, you know, I've mentioned this before, but it's good and it bears repeating. I I was reading today in my daily Bible reading in Exodus, the 15th chapter, where uh, God led the children of Israel through the Red Sea. And, uh, you know, God led them in a particular place where, uh, and it was off the beaten path. The beaten path uh, would have just taken them days to cross through uh, to get to the promised land. But the Bible says God led them away from where the Philistines would have been because they weren't ready for battle. And the path that he led them was a particular path and brought them to a camp, place where they camped right beside the Red Sea. And then, of course, you know the story how the Pharaoh and his armies pursued after them. And then, uh, you know, God told Moses to raise his staff. The Lord. Parted the Red Sea. He caused wind to blow all night long to dry out the seabed so that they could walk through on dry land. Now, here's something that you'll find very interesting. I did some research, and I encourage you, you can do yeah. this too. You can Google it. The Red Sea is, is very deep in many parts. It is very rocky. very It's not smooth, at all in, in, in the vast majority of it. Okay. But here's what is interesting. The very place that God led the children of Israel to was smooth for them to be able to walk across, to get to the other side. Now, what does that tell you? That tells me that when God in creation However many years before, millions of years before the children of Israel encountered that moment, God had prepared a way for them that nobody knew about, nobody could see, and it wasn't needed until they came to that moment, and they needed that path to get to the, get through to the other side of the Red Sea, and God had prepared that way for them. And so, again, he parted the Red Sea. They went through and and went to the other side. What am I saying? No matter what you and I face in life, God has already prepared a way for us to get through to the other side of that situation. And the Bible says that when God brought them through to the other side, they turned back and they saw the waters close back up on the armies of Pharaoh and their enemy was destroyed. So what I'm telling you is is that we're going to see that when we encounter the storms of life, when things happen in our lives, there is a way for us to navigate through that and come out victorious on the other side if we will, as Jesus said, first of all, if we'll be hearers of the word and doers of it as well, and not just hearers only, okay? So that's the first thing. So we'll get into more of this next week. And um, you know, I, I, I believe it could be life-changing for all of us, amen? Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church Podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc